Hello and welcome to Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. I'm your host, Harrison Greenbaum, and uh, it's so nice to see you guys uh, again. As you might have noticed, we did not have an episode last Wednesday, and that's because the International Brotherhood of Magicians, in support of all the people of color in our community, the magic community, and as well as the community at large, we paused our show to allow the amplification of the voices that were protesting and fighting for change, uh, desperately needed change. Um, and although there is still a lot of work to be done, we hope that this hour or so episode will bring a little levity and a little uh, rest uh, during a, a crazy, crazy time. So thank you for sticking with us. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, and as always, we are proudly presented by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. If you'd like to join or you're already a member, but you'd like to renew your membership, it's so easy. Just go to magician.org slash join dash the dash IBM slash join, uh, so magician.org slash join the IBM slash join, uh, and you can do that right there. It's a fantastic organization. Uh, it's the reason this show exists, so you should absolutely do that. Um, and this show is every Wednesday. Yes, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. if you're on the East Coast, 4 p.m. if you're on the West Coast, and it's also available as a podcast on Apple Music. So just go to whobookstat.com. You can click on the link. You can download all the previous episodes as, uh, as podcasts. We really appreciate it if you leave a five-star review. Unbelievably, this show is uh, in the top 100 in the performing arts category for Canada. So we got a big, how you doing, Canada? Very excited that you're fans. Uh, we're in the top 200 in both the UK and the US. So uh, th that, that's in large part uh, because you guys have been so supportive and so amazing. So uh, definitely keep leaving those reviews and downloading it. We're glad uh, you can access these episodes on the go. Although where are you going? We're all locked in, but some of you are not. We'll find out. Um, but anyway, we are now up to uh, the episode and I could not be more excited. Um, th this guy, uh, th there's a Yiddish word that my family, uh, we don't throw around lightly, which is mensch. And a mensch is somebody who's just a good person through and through. And uh, when I say that this guest is a mensch, I, I truly mean it. Us Greenbaums don't just call anybody menches. Um, this guy, uh, I remember I, I was getting ready to go on The Unbelievables, which was a uh, tour of all of Australia, the Sydney Opera House. Uh, we were going Melbourne uh, at Hamer Hall, which is a giant, uh, I think it's two or 3,000 seats. We're going all, literally all over um, Australia. And I, when I found out that Jay Johnson was also going to be in the show, that that's honestly what sold it for me, because uh, the opportunity to tour with such a legend um, was something that I could not turn down. Uh, it didn't hurt that we were uh, going to Australia during the winter, and it was beautiful there. Um, but uh, here's a couple of pictures, by the way. Our, our last show, um, I took a bunch of backstage pictures. This is one of my favorite pictures of Jay and I, and also one of just my favorite pictures ever. Um, so that's this one right here. Uh, which is great because I always open my mouth in a photo and that's uh, Bob also doing it and Jay, of course. Um, and uh, he's he, yeah, he's one of the best ventriloquists of all time. I think I can say that. He's the only Tony Award winner uh, that is also a ventriloquist, the only ventriloquist to ever win a Tony Award. He is one of the stars of Soap, a seminal and uh, classic TV sitcom. He's been all over television, CSI. He uh, was in Broken Badges in the 90s. Uh, he tours all over the world. I am so excited to have him here. This is a very long intro and I'm glad he's been patient. Make some noise, get excited for one of my favorite people on the planet. It's Jay Johnson, everybody. Jay Johnson. Thank you and good night. Who can live up yes. to that? Oh my God. <laughs> we did it. But now Harrison, you have to do the introduction that you actually gave me maybe the first time at Tamworth. You mentioned all those things and you said, but he's 30 years older, so I have time to do it myself. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now I have slightly less time, so we'll see. I haven't, I haven't got, I haven't closed the gap at all. 
who can in these days? What weird times, weird times. It's been insane. Uh, and you, you're, and Bob, I think played a cop at one point. Oh, he did. He did. We played, but uh, keeping the times we played cops that had, uh, had mental, uh, mental problems. You know, we were called <laughs> tarps, temporary assigned restricted personnel. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I also remember this was uh, one of our other backstage picks was, uh, uh, Shin and Brett, that was super fun. Oh man, what great guys! We were kind of the four, uh, at least the three Stooges. Sometimes Shin would come, but Shin had his girlfriend, so he was mostly with, um, with. Help me with their name, Casey. Casey, God. Yes, I think yeah. I think at one point we referred to ourselves as the Talkies because we were uh, we three were the only talking acts in the whole show. That's right. What you know, the Unbelievables was such a weird combination of circus and comics and um, a formal dance, you know, dance theater and dance competition. And everybody got along. Everything's great. I wish the show had been a little more um, put together well so we could still do it. I know. Oh, man. I mean, any opportunity to tour with you, I would jump on it in a second. Um, but let's go all the way back. Um, that's the end. But let's go to the beginning, which sure. is you're in school. Um, you're you uh, tell walk us through how you pick up your first figure and, and how you get enchanted with the art of ventriloquism? Well, it actually happened when I was quite young, but I, I, I don't think I knew what I was doing at the time. You know, it's one of those things that if you do something you like, you never work a day. But I used to, my mother used to disconnect the telephone and I would talk to the telephone. And I guess part of my playing with the telephone was having a voice come back. So one day she thought I had gotten somebody by mistake and she said, oh, I'm terribly sorry and realized there was no one there. So I was about five or six when that happened. Then. I, Jerry Mahoney came out, you know, Paul put out Jerry Mahoney as a little puppet. And um, so he uh, he inspired me to get one of his little uh, Jerry Mahoney's about 11, 11 years old. So, yeah, I have a picture, I think, from that time. That's uh, uh, the youngest picture I could find of you. <laughs> <laughs> this was my first. That's my first. Uh, uh, that's my first crush. Her name was Kathy Kerr. She lived up the street uh, every year in Abernathy. Um, yeah, it was, that's about five or six, I guess. Uh, Halloween, they would have the Harvest pageant, you know, the Halloween celebration, and they would crown the Harvest King and Queen, and we were the crown bearers, you know, we brought the crowns out, and not sure how I got elected, maybe, you know, I was young and willing, but anyway, yeah, Kathy, I don't know what happened to her, but she was sure a cutie back then. <laughs> well, that was acceptable, because you were also her age, so it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, now it's a little creepy for me to say that I realized, so I will <laughs> I, I found this one as well. There's a, uh, I feel like you were in the cast of Scooby-Doo at this point. Were you uh, looking for <laughs> Velma? <laughs> With that kerchief on for sure on Scooby-Doo. Now that, I'm standing next to the older gentleman. That's Charles R. Meeker Jr. And he really gave me my start at Six Flags Over Texas. He was the producer director. Um, he's pouring champagne for David Wiley, who was a singer in the show. And eventually we went on to become uh, uh, friends and roommates in Georgia and Six Flags over uh, Georgia. Anyway, a lot of great things. But that man probably did more for me than I will ever know, you know, as far as career-wise. Nice man. Died, died when I first came out to L.A. in the 70s. So, but, and, and take us back to that time. So you, did you know you were going to be a ventriloquist from the beginning? Did you have any other jobs or was it straight into uh, the art as soon as you were, you were ready? You know, I, I was, I'd never had any legitimate jobs. I mean, that's either a great thing or a bad thing. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's high school. So <laughs> I, I had that flat top a lot too long. Very, very 
so it, it kept girls away so I could practice my puppets. You know, that's what happened. Uh, I think you always but, had luxurious hair, which I was always very jealous of, because somehow you have way more of it than I do. Like, here's an example where, I mean, that's just fantastic. Now, this was, uh, that's Ken Berry, of course, who's been gone now a couple of years. Um, and that was really the shot that was responsible for getting me to uh, Los Angeles. Um, Ken's manager was Richard Link, Richard Link. And I was doing this thing, and it was done in Fort Worth, Texas, Miss Teenage America. And uh, his manager saw me and said, uh, well, if you ever get to LA, you know, so I, I think, you know, I called him the next day and said, I'm on my way. So he was my first manager and uh, we got soap while I was with him. So, yeah. And I, he, he was also Andy Griffith's manager and Andy and I got to be very close because of being managed with the same guy. And so that was, that's a fortuitous picture. But the tuxedo, I think later, Tony, uh, Tony Clifton ripped off. I think that's what <laughs> <laughs> I've worked with Tony. I, I, I think I recognize it. Yeah, see, that's, that's Tony Clifton. Absolutely. And Tony Clifton did not have a matching little tuxedo that I know of. So I, I've upped it. <laughs> <laughs> and that the guy in the middle is Squeak. Um, that's yeah, that's Squeaky. That's that's the character I had all the way up through the first day of uh, our first week of soap. Um, and in my show, uh, The Two and Only, I recreate the story that uh, he was too sweet to be in, in the show. They thought his face was too nice, so they, they had an idea and they did Bob. So I became Bob's partner rather than Squeaky's partner. Squeaky's okay about it. He's fine with it. He, he retired early. I, I remember watching the show. I managed to find a copy of it. And, and I, I remember just being in tears at multiple moments. And I'm not the biggest crier. You know me. I'm not. But... I was in tears, and that moment, even though it's it's a it's a it's not a person, Squeaky is not real. Yeah, you feel really bad for Squeaky. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Uh, you're talking about the two and only, and and we recreate the Squeaky comes on, and I have to tell him that he didn't get the part. That's what you're referring to. And originally, that was just a joke. I just said, you know, and Squeaky didn't get the part, and the show went on. And Jay Sandrich, who directed all the soap episodes, and really wonderful man. Uh, yeah, there's the playbook. Uh, he said, you've got to see that scene. You've got to see the scene where Squeaky doesn't get the job. And I said, mm, he's so close to Bob. I don't know if it'll work. And Bob's coming next in the show. So the minute we just tried it, that was the scene that came out. And uh, so thank you, Jay Sandridge, yeah. again. And it's also that perfect moment of the, sometimes the best laugh comes right after the saddest moment. So it's super sad. And then Squeaky immediately goes, you can get an effing chisel, I think is the line. Okay. Yeah, when he, when I tell him he's too sweet, he says, "Get a uh, yeah, a, a, a chisel." Uh, that was always the one the word one in the show. Then they would say, "Well, no, this is a matinee. Are you going to say the you know the F, F word for the kids?" And I go, "Well, yeah, probably." <laughs> you know, it's well considered. It's it's placed where I want it. I don't say it every five minutes. So there you go. Yeah, no, I mean, it's people always talk about it, it's like a spice. If you can, oh, you can put too much sriracha on something, but just a little kick, it's nice once in a while. Yeah, you know, I've got this. I've got I'd this. say as somebody whose act is covered in sriracha, <laughs> <laughs> the sriracha comic. Yeah. <laughs> my, my theory about expletives uh, is that they do a power. The, the word itself has a power and has a meaning, but most of the time, it's only a, a timing device. You know. My friend, um, Harry Anderson, had a joke where he would say, um, he would throw a deck of cards and say, shuffle the cards, 
shuffle the cards. And he would say, shuffle the dot, dot cards. Well, dot, dot could be almost any bad word that you know, but it completes that da 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 Shuffle the da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da-da-da is funny. And, and so you add these words to make what might not be funny in timing work. That's my opinion. Sticking to it. Yeah, and we alluded to this, but uh, the, the, the idea that, so you moved to LA, there's no way you know that there's a sitcom around the band that's looking for a ventriloquist. No way. That seems, I mean, were, were, did they see a lot of ventriloquists or did they know of your act and kind of write it around you? No, uh, it, it's a very interesting story. Um, and I have to backtrack what happened like the year before Soap came on the air. There was a book called Magic by William Goldman. And somebody said, you got to see it. So I thought it was about a magician and I, I'm not a real fast reader. So it sat there for a while. And somebody said, did you like that vent book? So I read it. And it was the story of magic. And I took it to Dick Link, who was my manager, and I said, they're going to make a movie out of this book. There's no doubt about it. And I want that part. I can play that part of Quirky. I know him. So he actually called and got around in and had Norman Jewison directed the movie, which he didn't do. He had to move on. But I would have. I think that should be my nickname. If they, if they can't call me Harrison, Jewison works pretty well. There you go. There you go. Harrison <laughs> uh, and uh, so I didn't get the part. Because they, you know, some guy named Anthony Hopkins got it. I don't know. Who? Um, but Susan Harris was writing soap at the time. And she wanted this kind of weird character that was a, a little bit dark and was originally going to kill his brother. And she put that exact description into the Bible of soap. And eventually it found me through open auditions and everything else. It just eventually came to me. So, yeah. I'm getting a, a comment from a couple of people about the volume. So if there's any way to, I guess, move a little bit closer, so to make sure everybody can hear you. Um, and while we do that, I'm gonna, this is uh, one of the cast photos of uh, from Soap, the full cast. Uh, and then here is uh, another one um, yep. for the season. Uh, did the costume department at least help you with uh, Bob's outfits? Oh, listen, that was one of the, the roughest things about Soap. Uh, eventually you can't buy that size, obviously. So what they, they would buy my size, fit me, and then buy a size twice as big as my size and cut it down. So every week was a specially made costume just for uh, uh, just for Bob. And it, this watch, I don't know if I could see it there, but at the time I had a Mickey Mouse watch uh, and they said, we'd like to get a Mickey Mouse watch for, for uh, Bob. Where'd you get that? And I said, to Disneyland. Well, it was one of those $800 Mickey Mouse watches, you know, that, and so they said, uh, here's your new Mickey Mouse watch. Yeah, so, they, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so. so uh, it, did that correct the volume? I hope it did. I, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Um, and Rick Jenkins, who is the, uh, the owner of the comedy studio, one of my favorite clubs in Boston said, wow, never heard of curse words used for timing purposes. Great point. So that's, uh, that's awesome. It's uh, always, isn't it Harrison? Always the timing. You also gave me great advice on the unbelievables because one of the things we were going up against was they kept changing the amount of time that we were doing on the show. And you gave me one of the greatest analogies, which is that an act that has comedy, especially built in with audience interaction, is an accordion. I don't know if you want to speak more to that, but that was uh, brilliant. Well, you know, if, if you don't play to the timing of that audience, if you don't play to that audience in, in the moment, then you, you, they might as well go see a film. So what you really have to do, if you get a laugh, if you can make the laugh bigger and bigger at that moment. Now, the next laugh that was bigger last time might be smaller, but 
it's going to accordion. And if you don't account for that, I think you're losing what, not you personally, but I think a person is losing what, um, what keeps live theater going. You know, that's why we go is for that immediate, this guy's controlling us, you know, love it. Yeah. And, and in terms of being in soap, I mean, first of all, you did the thing that I, I, I used to dream of, which was being in Mad Magazine, um, which is amazing. <laughs> it was the first time my brother thought I had I had done OK with my choice of career because he was a big Mad Magazine. <laughs> and the fact I ended up on uh, uh, caricature and um, soap, he said, I mean, in Mad, he said, you've, you've made it, brother. You've made it. So I said, well, <laughs> I'll take that. That's and the other thing is, Bob is now in the Smithsonian. Was there ever a chance that you were going to get to keep Bob and they were going to take a duplicate? Or because the one that you're using is is not the one that the, the Smithsonian has the original one, I believe. Right. right. The the actual uh, on on soap, we actually used two different Bobs. The first Bob, they they because they they didn't use Squeaky, they kind of made him in a hurry, and there were some problems with mechanics and stuff. So when I Realized I was going to stay around a while. I got my guys in and we designed one that was a little easier. Uh, and then even one more that I used uh, for our tour that I use now and use on Broadway. It's the third generation of Bob, but it's more to my liking. But yeah, so the original is in the Smithsonian. I still have the copy and I've still got the third. So uh, two more museums to go, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no, and you also got to do something that I, I, I also dream of, which is uh, appearing on game shows. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I tell you why, because you, you got the exposure, but you didn't have to burn any material. You know, they gave you questions and you just had to answer them real time. There's no rehearsal. You walk in, you hope you do the best. And uh, yeah, that was my uh, $20,000 pyramid. Uh, but now in this, Harrison, I don't know if you told you this story or not, but this may be the picture of the actual show. I gave an incorrect uh, clue at the at the top of the twenty thousand or hundred thousand dollar mark, we had one to go, and I gave. But by the time that the that the uh, judge said bad clue, the sound man had hit the winner's button. Oh no! <laughs> the commercial comes, long commercial. They keep looking at me. Dick Clark comes over and says, mm, "Don't think it's going to hold," and they took it away from the guy. Oh no! On the air, yeah. They said. But then, did you redeem yourself with that guy? What's that? Did you then redeem yourself with that guy? Because you get to come back, right? Well, what happened, it was like in the middle of a show. So he switches partners and he, I, I think they made sure he got to the winner's circle. <laughs> uh, and and he, he was cool with it. You know, he won his, but the next time. And then the next time I got to the winner's circle, we won. So I, it was a good day all around, but never happened before. They told me it was a difference between doing it in New York and LA, because in New York, the guy, who was the judge had the button and in uh, life, the prop man or sound man that had the button. So by the time you could say bad clue, we had already won, you know? So just loved game shows. Loved yeah. Games. And somebody said, is this a young Amar, which uh, he's been on the show, but minus the mustache, it could be, uh, it could be a young Michael Amar. And uh, uh, in, term, in terms of prep is uh, Hollywood squares. Is that, is that one, do you get to prep a little bit more for that one? Or are you also riffing that entire thing? Well, what they do on that, and, and Hollywood Squares was never my vehicle, but I got to tell you, right down there uh, on the, the lower left, that's my friend and uh, neighbor who just passed away a couple of weeks ago, Fred Willard, and his daughter, Hope. Uh. Hope is a very good friend of mine, and that's where we met, is right there on that show that was taped in Vegas. Um, 
the, what, what works best on Hollywood Squares is they give you a question, you have a, a joke answer, they laugh, and then you get the real answer they vote on. For me and Bob, it would go answer, I mean, question. Uh, we had to kind of hit us the joke back and forth and then throw it back. So it was always like a sentiment, it was like, back, you know. But they give you the bluffs. They don't give the answers, but you can figure out that, okay, the joke answer would be two plums, you know. You go, how does that relate to anything? But the, the joke was really to figure out where the jokes went, you know, because they had written them for you. Then tell you the answers. Yeah. Yeah. And then let's fast forward a little bit because you 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 already established yourself as sort of a seminal ventriloquist where I, I think there's also a lot of people who watch those shows who were budding ventriloquists who were inspired by that. Um, but then you mount uh, the two and only on Broadway. Uh, what is that decision making process? Was it just uh, you did, you woke up one day and said, I'm going to do a Broadway show or how, walk us through uh, getting the idea and then uh, essentially, and then getting to the point where you win a Tony, which is the, uh, yeah. the pinnacle. Who, who could, who could even think about that? But uh, uh, the two and only actually, I can't remember a time that I didn't want to do a uh, theater show. I mean, club shows are great. I love club shows, love uh, industrials, love corporates, love all that. But when you step into a theater, it's, um, that's what theater was made for, was that building. I used to call it the church. You know what? You go to church. So in my mind, I'd always wanted to do that. And I would get something and somebody would go, oh, we can help you. Nothing would ever happen. Another guy, oh, we can do that. So finally, two people, uh, Paul Kreppel and Murphy Cross, came and said, you should do a one-man show. I said, yeah. And I kind of went, yeah, yeah, you and your uncle. So, let <laughs> so we started just brainstorming and writing on three by five cards. And eventually those cards began to take some sort of shape and acts and places to put them. And it sat there for three months. And finally Murphy Cross called me one day. She said, what does it take to get this going? And I said, well, knowing me, somebody will say, we've got a theater booked in two weeks. You better have the show ready. And she called back and she said, well, we've got the show booked in four weeks. <laughs> she did call it up. And from that moment, we just kept working on it, working on it. And, uh, you know, one thing leads to another and uh, we end up, uh, there's the set of the two and only yeah, on Broadway. And yeah, it's a beautiful time. show. I mean, was there, was it harder to do the serious moments or the comedy moments or were they both kind of uh, difficult? Well, both have their own, uh, their own ways of prepping. But what I loved about the theater is that you can um, paint with those dark colors, you know, in a club. What, what is it, Harrison? You would know. Every every 10 seconds, you have to have... Yeah, I would say every 10 to 20 seconds, you need to laugh, probably. You, you got to do that. So there is no time to take a story into the dark part, like you say, where you might cry and get a bigger laugh coming up. But in a theater, that's exactly what they're looking for. And um, so I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I had done some acting as a kid and uh, always acting and ventriloquism kind of the two things I love to do the most. So, yeah. And eventually, you know... All you do on Broadway is just try to keep that show open and try to keep it running. You know, that's all you're doing is trying to get people in there. And the idea of winning anything is just, you know, that would be nice, but how can we stay open? And uh, there was a great category called um, Best Special Theatrical Event. Oh, there's Sandy. You know, yeah. Uh, that's his wonderful wife, for those who don't know, but he, she's also amazing. 
she's she's great. She just um, she just finished twelve years. This is a year ago that she was on the Big Bang Theory, and they just wrapped a year ago. So she spent the last twelve years uh, being Kaylee Cuoco on the on the Big Bang Theory. So, <laughs> yeah. And I've been like you with Emily. I've been stuck with her for now, you know, longer than that, but really close for the last uh, three months. And I think it's going to work out. <laughs> You've done it. You finally made it work. <laughs> I don't. I, no alimony here. Oh well, there's the Tony. Well, yeah. Wait a minute. Looks just like that one. <laughs> I I placed myself to do that. Do you ever find yourself playing with it? Because I feel like it's the only big trophy that rotates. So it's got to be fun that it spins. You're probably not going to hear me, but here it's here. It's like, <laughs> it's like, yep, rip, mirror. <laughs> there you go. And that's and, amazing. And the windows, and that side has got all my name and stuff on it. And this is the actual thing. And this is the thing. And the coolest thing is, the coolest thing is <laughs> I keep it right there. And my, my actor friends will come over and go, is that? That's really a Tony. I go, yeah, it's really a Tony. And they'll go for it like this to spin it. And I'll say, uh, you know, there's a rumor, a superstition, that if you ever touch a Tony that's not yours, you can never have one. <laughs> and that's great. They go, oh, yeah, well, I don't I don't believe in superstitions. You know, all this background. <laughs> that would explain all the dents. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> Boom. <laughs> And one of the things that's got to, I mean, uh, another accomplishment that uh, as a theater kid, uh, you got your Sardis cartoon, which is got to be a pretty oh. fun one as well. Well, see, a lot of people think that that is not so much my Sardis cartoon as John Tesh's. Uh, <laughs> it's Bob's image. It's Bob. John Tesh and a smaller John Tesh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I could only hope for that uh, Dick Tracy jaw like that, you know, I don't know. And I tell you, you know, it's a big ceremony. Everything in New York is a ceremony. Uh, and so when they unveiled that, it's all covered. You don't know what it is. And they've got um, the owner of Sardis and somebody from Equity and the press there and everything. And they go, okay, here it is. <laughs> and everybody went, oh. <laughs> but you have to act like they nailed it. Oh, yeah, of course. You're going to go, oh, yeah, boy, great likeness of Bob. Great likeness of Bob. <laughs> I hope if I ever do mine, it's terrible. And then I still have to be like, yeah, that's weird. I don't remember having only one eye, but sure, that's fine. And the last time I was at Sardi's, they have that picture, you know, where the, the bus boys put all their dishes and stuff yeah. like that? <laughs> nice. New York I, was, is not <laughs> I had this giant photo of me in a comedy club in New York, and I was so happy. And I remember bringing somebody to be like, look, I'm on the wall of the club finally. And right before I brought that person to the club, they'd moved it to right over the bathroom. Of course, of course. And I looked like I was smelling something in that photo. I had this like face on like this. So it looked like I, I had, I could actually smell what was going on in the bathroom and was reacting. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, they'll, they'll do that to you. You know, you're up in a comedy club. There you go, but who knows? Uh, one of the things, though, I, I know you've been uh, unbelievably influential to ventriloquists um, your entire career. Um, there, there are surprise guests on every Who Books That, um, as much as I can try, as much as I can do it. Uh, this first guy, it's his birthday, and uh, you were one of his biggest inspirations. He is uh, one of the biggest ventriloquists in the world. Uh, make some noise. Get excited. It's Terry Fader, everybody. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. 
I well, knew it because of Facebook, and I, I said I should call, but I'm preparing for this. So aren't you sweet? Oh, nice man. Yeah, well, I tell you, Jay, you you will never know what an inspiration you've been to, to an entire generation of ventriloquists. I mean, I used to, I used to watch uh, soap as often as I could. You know, my parents wouldn't let me. I was too young at the time because the uh, material. Yeah. But but the funny thing was, they anytime you were on, they'd say, "He's back on, he's back on," and I'd run back in and I would watch you. And then of course, <laughs> when you want, when they started showing soap on Nick at night, I started recording them and and playing them. And you know, your your technique is so incredibly good that. Uh, you know, it gave all of us younger ventriloquists something to aspire to. So oh, yeah. amazing. And, and the two and only one of the greatest shows. And I'm not just saying those are the greatest shows I've ever seen. Uh, it's I've seen it like 10 times. It really is spectacular and amazing. It's it's a well, so. you know, I, I say thank you. Not not for anything personal. I think at some point, uh, sometimes uh, what you do takes on a life of itself that did that. And. And I can look at it and say, wow, um, I'm glad I was part of that, not feeling a lot of, uh, you know, I was there. I did it. It was just wow. <laughs> Just incredible. Incredible. So Terry, thank you. Yes. I started to tell you about two ventriloquists. Um, true story. Ron Lucas. Uh, mm -hmm. Years ago, Ron and I were going to go to uh, do something together. We're going to meet at the airport. And I was at the gate. And suddenly I hear, Jay, Jay, <laughs> the best distant voice I have ever heard in my life. And I know that he's right there next to me and he's doing this. I'm really, I'm not going to look over and give him the satisfaction. <laughs> Jay, Jay, and I finally look around and he's not there. He really was on the other side. Of <laughs> it was a real distant voice. So of course, perfect, you know, so, but I wouldn't even answer him. <laughs> That's fantastic. And, and <laughs> His distant voice is unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, I've had I've had people play jokes on me when I was at the ventriloquist convention. You know, they'd say my name from from far away, and it's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, people because a lot of people don't know if you're not a ventriloquist when you're doing the distant voice, it doesn't sound anything at all like uh, somebody yelling from away. No, so like, you have like, to actually teach, you have to teach yourself to react to it. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Great way to put it, Terry. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. You as you hear it, so. Great. Exactly. What have you done for your birthday? What's going on here? You know, uh, just kind of just relaxing, chilling. My my wife is going to make me my favorite dish that she makes, which is chicken fried steak fingers, mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. And she does this pea casserole where it's kind of peas and, and onions and she fries it in a pan. It's amazing. And then we're going to play Animal Crossing. So anybody play Animal Crossing? <laughs> What is yeah, that? people out it's, there who will visit your island. Absolutely. Yes, it's a Nintendo Switch, and it's a, it's a game. And the funny thing is my wife never played video games, and I got this for her. And it it started um, on March 20th, which was right when they, they did the whole lockdown thing. And now my wife plays. If she has the day off, she plays 12 hours. She loves it. So. I love that. Here I thought you were here to celebrate Jay, but you're, this is just a ploy to get more turnips. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, Exactly. We, yeah, we can always use our thing. We can use our opportunities. So there you go. So yeah, but I'm using I'm using the time to every week I put out a new music video. Today I put out Sh uh, "Shower the People" with uh, my my turtle singing it, and uh, and also uh, Julius, my puppet. So yeah, check out my uh, my YouTube, and and I'm gonna be I'm gonna post it on my Facebook tomorrow. So. Uh, yeah. But if you just, and, and really, I'm doing videos just to kind of uh, lift people's spirits, you know, as as that's what we need to be doing is lifting people's spirits. But, exactly you know, right. Jay, you just never know what an inspiration you've been. And, and you're also an amazingly wonderful man. So uh, I really appreciate knowing you. It, um, it's one of my great honors to be a friend of yours. So, you know, that goes both ways. And 
it was your show that that I finally reconnected with my friend Fred Willard, who lived across the street, because we're coming to your was it your tenth year hunt you, show? I don't know. Yes. And it was. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is, Fred Willard was Fred Willard. He was a little bit spacey. His wife Mary. <laughs> And I'd seen Fred 50, 100 times in the neighborhood. Hey, Fred. Oh, you live there? Oh, great. Hey, Fred. Oh, Jay, you live there? Oh, okay. At your show, Mary said, you live across the street. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. You know, I, I asked Fred last year, I was doing my, I was getting a whole new Christmas show and I uh, called him up and I said, Fred, would you, would you be play the part of a casino executive? And you're kind of giving me advice on what to, uh, on what, you know, how to change my show and what the casino wants me to do. And, uh, and he was so funny. Uh, and, and we're actually going to continue using him as that casino executive. And one of my favorite lines was, he says, you know, we, your show needs a new name. Uh, we need to get people in. I think we should call your show Celine Dion in concert. And I'm like, I said, I'm not Celine Dion. And he goes, once we get their money and get them in there, who cares? (laughs) So he was such a funny guy. Um, And I'll be keeping that in my Christmas show. Once things open up again, I'm hoping soon, you know, in Vegas, I'll just as an honor to Fred. He's such a, uh, he was such a dear man, such a wonderful guy. And Hope, Hope was so wonderful to work with. I, uh, he put me in touch with Hope. Yeah. And, and so she just kind of helped arrange it. And she uh, she thanked me for helping him to do that. She said it really lifted his spirits. So he's a he's a wonderful man. Great guy. We, he's, he's missed around here. And, and oh, yeah. 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 It's really a shame when somebody like him passes. But uh, but thank God we have video. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And also for you'll be one of the few Vegas shows where you'll be able to have less than six di- six feet between you and the other person on stage. <laughs> That's right. Yes. And that's, I keep telling them, I keep telling them, it's okay. You can put me back on because I can, I have a distance between the audience and, you know, I can play for 50% or 25, whatever you want. I just like to be in front of people. So, and I know you're the same way, right, Jay? Do you oh, love yeah. performing like I do? I'm sorry? Do you love performing like I do? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, it's been tough, uh, as we all can attest to, not to have the opportunity to do it because this is almost like being in retirement. Now I know what it's like. And, Okay, but it, you know, Not I can. I realize I can tolerate it, but yeah, I can tolerate it. But I always said I want to. I want to be like uh, Edgar Bergen, who did a show, went home, packed up Charlie, and never woke up. And I'm like, that's how I want to go to heaven. I want to. I want to do a show and then never wake up. That's that's how I want to end it because I love performing. So, but you know, you'll get to heaven and say. Yeah, I didn't that show. Mm, that's yeah, <laughs> exactly. That one guy, he just wasn't clapping my right. <laughs> Me. <laughs> no, me no, I think I can get it on the next one. I swear. <laughs> Any entertainer knows exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, Terry, thank you so, so much for joining us. I don't want to keep you any more from your birthday celebration. Um, do you have any last words? I know I want to make sure I plug your Facebook one more time. He's coming out with oh, great content you. all the time. Facebook.com slash Terry Fader. Also uh, Twitter and Instagram at Terry Fader. Um, any last thoughts? Just Jay, we love you and thank you so much for the inspiration. Again, you'll never know how many of us out here uh, are, are doing what we do because of you. So thank you. Thank you for your hard work and just being a good man. You, I appreciate that, Terry, and, and knock them dead. We'll be seeing you when we can. Six you feet bet. away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> happy birthday. Thank you so much, Terry. Really appreciate it. Happy birthday. Thank yeah. you. Terry Vader, everybody. That's fun. Yeah. Oh my God, that's great! Uh, and one of the things that we we uh, mentioned, uh, but didn't go into detail. Um, so, and, and there's a personal story, which is when I did Conan, I flew out to LA. It was my first late night appearance. I was so excited, and the only person I wanted to celebrate it with 
was Jay Johnson. And I remember uh, the next morning you picked me up in your, uh, I think it was the Mini Coop. Yeah. And, uh, yeah Larry Miller came over to our table uh, and joined our, and we, both, we both looked at each other at the end and we're like, Did, were you going to ask for a picture? And I was like, I thought you were going to ask for a picture. And then we never got a picture of it. No, no, it'd been so easy. Yeah. That was at uh, Mexicali. Yeah. Mexicali. Yeah. So we've been to Mexicali. We've been to Musos and you and I have been to Casa Vega. We've yeah, this. I have a. I think I have a picture of uh, Casa Vega. Actually, we went with uh, a magician who's been on the program before. Um, I don't know why I say program like I'm a, a 90 year old man, but uh, this is uh, there's John Carney. John Carney. John Carney. Uh, but one of the things that had happened right before uh, the Conan set, um, Harry Anderson had passed away, and I, I knew you, your best friend, and I remember I didn't know how to really address it, and I got in the car and I said, "I'm so sorry." Uh, it was the first time I had seen you since that happened. And uh, you said the perfect Jade joke, which was, uh, on the bright side, you move one up on the friend list. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Everybody moves up. Showbiz moves up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but tell us a little bit about that relationship, because I know it, it, he, his career obviously also exploded uh, on sitcoms. You're, you guys were at different times. Um, here's a, a fun picture uh, of you guys oh. together. Uh, I don't yeah. think you were old enough in that for it to be in black and white. I think that was just uh, an artistic choice. Um, but here's one of my favorite pictures is you guys cracking each other up, which is uh, a, an amazing photo. That, yeah, that's kind of the way we spent our relationship was laughing at each other. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's funny when you're looking back in your career, you say, how many people did I open for, you know, and open for some of the big stars and everything. But for me, the list is who, who opened for me because right as comedy clubs hit, I was a headliner without him going to the pecking order. And so some of my opening acts were Jerry Seinfeld and Gary Shandling and uh, uh, Harry Anderson was one of them. And Harry and I just, uh, we were just compatible. We just best friends like we'd always been and from the day we met. So we actually met doing a show at the lounge in Circus Circus Reno. And I, I think they closed the, the club after we left and turned it into <laughs> I've been to Circus Circus Reno. It's still there. It's like if Circus Circus Las Vegas gave up. Yes, yes. And even back then, it was like, what, what Harry would get crazy about, we were right on the lounge, right across from the progressive slots. And in Reno, if you had the progressive slots, your, your, your uh, gifts were, your prizes were a lighter, you know, a little big lighter, <laughs> or pantyhose, or a plush doll of the Pink Panther. <laughs> and you got to choose. So we'd be doing our act and suddenly they would go, ding, 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 winner, 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 carousel four, carousel four. So Harry got a, um, he got a Pink Panther, one of the Pink Panthers, he put pantyhose on it. And then <laughs> winner, he ran back and he lit the pantyhose on fire and he says, here's your, and he threw it into the audience. So, <laughs> I was all for it. <laughs> and you you and Harry's family were very close, right? Like uh I think his daughter is your goddaughter. Yes, his his kids are my godkids, my kids are his godkids. And uh yeah, we uh we uh have oh yeah, there's uh there's Eva Faye right there. That's Eva. Oh my god. Now Eva's a big deal now. She's a big time writer and she's doing uh Briar Patch and uh, uh You're the Worst and she's she's incredible. So she may she may employ us all someday. Yeah, know? well, let's, you know what? Let's find out from her. Here's uh, Eva Anderson, everybody. Oh. 
No. Hey, Jay. You, lady. You, hey, how lady. are you doing? Well, I couldn't be happier not to see you. This yeah, this is awesome. He's always working, so anyway. We had one of those Pink Panthers at the house, and I think it was full of sawdust. So that was <laughs> very dangerous. Well, your father was not one to worry about the danger until after the joke. That was okay. Oh, for sure, yeah. No, there's a lot of, like, in my baby photo album, there's a lot of photos of that specific doll that just was kind of lurking, I think, at the house with the pool table, Richland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, Eva, uh, I'm sitting on uh, the pool table that your mom and dad bought uh, for the uh, Richland house. Richland. Oh, cool. And I've had it for all this time. But but Harry used to say you were conceived on this pool table. <laughs> That's what he said. Perfect. Of course. When when I got the pool table, in one of the corners is the actual receipt. I don't know why. Harry oh, wow. It. So it's And not in the other corner is the pregnancy test. <laughs> it doesn't work out. The, the buying and the birth don't work out uh, exactly right. So uh, you know, I, I'll keep telling people this, but just, just know that it doesn't work out. How much did it cost? Uh, back then? I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was like... The main piece of furniture in that house. Well, yeah. Cool. Was, uh, <laughs> your dad would always spend uh, all the money he had on the next thing. And but mm -hmm. what I loved about your dad was that he believed that wealth was a river, and you came and you just took what you needed, and it kept going. And you you put some back, you took some, put some back. But it wasn't like I have to keep it all, and uh, hopefully I don't run out. Because he never thought that I'd run out. That was just if he had good work in the streets, he would tip the, the barber a lot more. Shoes, you know, he, he really had that sense of the flow of wealth. Yeah, for sure. He would always make us keep uh, money in our pockets uh, for uh, you had to you had to tip every street performer, um, even if they were just one of those guys holding still. Um, yeah. Everyone had to be tipped something. And so we always had to have cash on us my entire yeah. life, which I really love. And I still do. Yeah. And he um, was actually a uh, a prop in this is a, an old Wii magazine. Oh yeah. So as we close in, there is a very young Eva playing the part of Scott Free. It's so funny. There's like a lot of photos of me in very dangerous situations. Yeah. Like Yeah, you look actually precariously tied up. <laughs> this is not the first time this had happened, but I was like always like handcuffed to things. Uh eating, there's one of me eating like a rubber hand. Just, you know, whatever was around the house. That's what we played with. And speaking of your houses, I know you guys went back and forth to each other's houses. What was that like, oh, yeah. Jay's house and, and Jay's kids coming to your house? Yeah, I was talking to Harrison about this earlier, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's it's very funny to uh, for my brother Dash and I to trade notes with uh, Taylor and, and Brandon about how, for each of us, the other house was terrifying because <laughs> our house was... <laughs> We had like a baby coffin and we had all these like freak show models of like Johnny Eck and things. And then yours was just like dangling uh, lifeless uh, event figures in every room. And it was just like, <laughs> so, and we, each of us, we couldn't see it for ourselves. We just be like, what are you talking about? This, this is a normal house. And then we, <laughs> we'd be like, this is, this is evil. Um, especially you had like a very specific event figure room, right? Wait, yeah. tell the story about uh, the monkeys. What's that story about uh, the ant that was staying? 
was Aunt Edna, and she was maybe 90 at this point. And uh -huh. she was quite all with us. But my mother-in-law insisted on flying her down from Seattle so she could be at Christmas with us. And the only place to stay was in my office at the other house, which had all these puppets. And so <laughs> the bed rolls out and she, you know, Maxine, the mother-in-law, I say, it's okay, Edna, it's okay. And she would sit bold up and she says, what is going on here? And they said, well, no, it's, it's okay, okay. And then she would go, what is, finally, she said, you expect me to sleep in this room when there are half a dozen monkeys ready to jump on my head? <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing was to put um, towels over their face so they didn't see the face, which to me was much creepier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. But she was fine with it. Yeah, but half a dozen monkeys ready to jump on me was her line. So, so funny. <laughs> I, I was waiting for that story to end with, is a monkey joke? <laughs> oh. A bit, yeah. We were, we were just trying to, because she was so disoriented, and uh, you know, anything but. So. Oh. And yeah. our, our guest from last Monday, Mark Summers, uh, is in the house. He said, "I am loving this. Used to work with Harry in the palace at the castle." Eva, how is your mom? Where is she these days? And also asked about Dash. How is he doing? Uh, hi, Mark. Uh, big fan. Um, uh, my mom lives in Ashland, Oregon. Uh, she's doing great, and uh, my brother Dash is a high school teacher in Brooklyn, and he's been teaching the APs remotely and kicking butt at it. It's really an amazing service he's doing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah and I'm, I'm my parents told very lovely stories about Mark always when I would be watching him. Be like, he's great. Mark was the warm-up guy on soap. Yes. Oh, yeah, cool. we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was not Mark Summers at the time, but he and Mark I Berkowitz. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. M killer, I believe. That's why he changed his name. <laughs> but yeah, he would, you know, thankless job being the Mormon guy. Thankless, thankless. And it would go and go and go and go and go. And Mark would, you know, be at that point where will they ever get on? And so I just wanted to ban around Bob. So Mark knew the right cues and we would talk and have such a great time with him up in the audience. So I miss Mark. Yeah. And I liked his interview the other day. So yeah. That's awesome. yeah, and and uh, I, Eva sent me this photo. Uh, Eva, are you the child that Harry is holding? Yeah, that's my little Miss Marker outfit. This is the infamous left-handed league. Yeah, and this is on Dash's wall in Brooklyn. He <laughs> snapped it for me. He 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 kept a piece of this history, and it's it's in it's in his apartment, which is really cool. Now, interestingly enough, in that picture, I'm one of the left-handed league, but. Uh, uh, and there's the league. We were doing our show uh, in Bakersfield or Tucson or something, anyway. Oh, cool. But I was the only one who wasn't left handed. <laughs> and the reason I got to be the league was not only am I dyslexic, so I don't know, you know. Where... <laughs> but Harry said, No, oh, you're left handed because when you work in Bob, you only have this hand to work with. So you're left, you work left handed. So I went, Okay, I'm in. <laughs> uh, I could find a loophole for anything. Exactly. <laughs> I have to tell, since Eva's here, we went back to uh, Inishmere to uh, scatter uh, Herod's ashes uh, about a year ago, almost to the day. And yeah. And was it was it just the Johnsons and the Andersons, or was there anybody else? Well, there was also Turk and Christy Pipkin, who was the the third bottle in the, the livestock uh, productions. Uh, yeah. Turk well, you know what? Anyway. If we're going to talk about him, we should probably bring him in. Uh, here's Turk Pipkin taking a little nap. <laughs> what? All right. All right. 
Have you heard the good news? I, I feel like any moment Ralph Edwards is going to come from, back from the grave and say, Oh my God, that light's bright. <laughs> Hi, Jay. Hi, Eva. Hey, Turk. Wow, the gang's all here. Jay, I got to say, I also, if we remember, was I'm not left handed and never was, but Harry said, Oh, because you're a juggler, you're ambidextrous. <laughs> So that makes you left-handed. So I think as it turned out, actually, no one in the left-handed league was left-handed. That's what we're <laughs> Except for him. Right. Harry was the only left-handed. <laughs> Harry was Martin, faking it. Martin was left-handed. He spent his whole life. That was his greatest con. He was right-handed. <laughs> hey, Erica. Uh, yeah, Erica Larson is in the house. Um, and also, I, I heard from Turk that the reason uh, that Jay, even though Turk and uh, Harry are both Texans, that Jay was the, the conduit to introduce you guys to each other. Right. Jay and I are both Texans and Harry, yeah, Harry. Right. Harry around, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly yeah, I, right. And Jay had already gone to LA and and um, I moved out there. I was kind of coming back and forth and uh, Harry, uh, one of the first people Harry introduced me to out there, um, we'd been doing street shows kind of all over. First person he introduced me to really was Jay. And uh, yeah. And we and we just became, keep First television taping ever at SOAP, and a lot of, I think I ended up writing 100 hours of television, so maybe that was a, a big night for me. Yep. And one, of the, one of the things that was so fun is I, I worked with Jay in Australia, and I went to go to the bathroom uh, at Smoke and Mirrors Theater in Philadelphia, which is a fantastic magic venue when things start coming back, definitely support it. It's a wonderful venue right outside of Philadelphia. And on the way to the bathroom, I encountered this poster, which I immediately texted to Jay uh, of the whole left-handed league. Uh, Mike Caveney's in there, Tina Leonard, Martin Lewis, and of course, uh, Turk, Jay, and Harry. Um, and since we have the poster up, I think we might as well fill it out. Here's Martin Lewis and Mike and Tina as well, the whole left-handed league. Oh my God, Mark, Martin Lewis has the David Letterman starter kit beard. Yes, I didn't think Charles Darwin, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I um. I just don't shave between gigs. And so you can tell it's been a lot. <laughs> Who's booking that gig? <laughs> yeah, really. That's the name of the show. <laughs> oh, and Harrison, I'm wearing my IBM pin for you. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I think we, I think we might have first met at the uh, SAM convention back in January. That's right, yeah. The source of yeah. the corona. We had a Chinese delegation that was... Uh, <laughs> That's another bunch of people got sick afterwards. So I, I think that might have been the route, ground zero. They were right in the booth next to me in the dealer's room. I, I don't know. <laughs> so and Mike and Tina are in the house. Dana Kmart is watching and said, Caveney is left-handed. So let's confirm. I, so Tina, are you left-handed so or Martin what? as well? Yeah, yeah, I'm left-handed. Oh, there we go. So I guess it's Turkey. Tina is left-handed. <laughs> But I've always, I always felt alone as a left-hander. So as soon as I saw that it was called the left-handed league, I was like, these are my people. <laughs> but what was it like? Somebody, I, uh, I think we're waiting to see if Mike and Tina's microphone is on. Can they hear? Yeah, we're on. Yeah, we're on. Yeah. Okay. Hey, we'll all be quiet for a second. Oh. <laughs> so go ahead, Jay. Oh well, I was just enjoying. I can't believe this that. You know, the first time I see everybody and all this stuff has to be, you know, it's so close and so far, but it's this league. Yeah. We, we should put on a show. <laughs> I said that? we should put on a show. 
great. Uh, we missed it. We missed. Uh, it's a little early for Halloween, but maybe we can do a Halloween show. Bubonic players rise. Uh, I think time to bring back bubonic players. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I did want to tell one story that I think is very kind of funny. Uh, when Turk and Eve and I were in, uh, in Ishmir, uh, when Harry and I had been there before, the reason it was so great is because three years before, Eva, I mean, uh, Les, Elizabeth and Harry and Sandy and I had been there. Anyway, we had a driver of the little carriage named Bob, uh, and his horse was Michael, I think. Anyway, couldn't find him. He wasn't there. So we had another, another guy to drive us around. So it was a very sad time, but I said to the driver, I said, do you know Michael and Bob? You know the guy that's around? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He just passed. <laughs> went, oh, awful. He died and hit we Harry and he went, no, 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 he just passed on the, the but he just went by. <laughs> it's like one of those. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I missed a trip to Israel and my family told everybody that uh I, I was I was not with them. And so everybody kept thinking that the reason I wasn't on the trip was because I uh was no longer with them and had passed. <laughs> Uh, but I have a bunch of uh, photos of the left-handed league in action. Uh, I guess let's go oh, around the round table. We'll start with uh, Mike, go to Tina, and then Martin, and Turk. Um, but Mike, tell us a little bit about this photo and, and uh, what it was like being part of the league. Well, being part of the league was fantastic. I'm looking at this photo. That must be the magic oh, shot at Phoenix. No. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Wasn't that the night did the seance? Uh, yeah, they did a seance there. Uh, yeah, what was that guy? What was that magic shop owner? Harry's good, good friend. Yeah, I'm having a senior moment. Yeah. It doesn't end with a good story, though. What no, it has a very sad ending. That was Jack. 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 Jack Sutherland. Jack Sutherland. Great guy. Yeah. So, yeah, we did a weekend in Phoenix doing a, a show with the league. There, it was great fun. I think yeah. our big accomplishment was uh, Weenie Magazine. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, we tore Genie Magazine apart, and it was quite controversial, which was nice. <laughs> and Eva Pay, no matter what great more success you have in your life, to me, that photo <laughs> will always be how I remember you. <laughs> I will always be young, Scott Free. Yes, you will. <laughs> I'll tell you what else I remember that is such a great Eva Faye story is um, Harry was on the Merv Griffin show and he did a set and he had an old carpet bag and he went over and sat down at the desk and he's put the carpet bag down and he's talking to Merv and he's talking to Merv and talking to Merv and then at one point Merv said something and Harry opened up the carpet bag and pulled you out. <laughs> yeah. That you'd been sitting in there the whole time. I can fill that out a little bit. Turk was there. Harry went out to show bear. He went out um, and he was wearing clown shoes <laughs> and um, in his fedora and his suit. And Merv said, Is any said, Is there anything you want to talk about? Tell us about. And Harry says, No, no. And Merv kept trying to get him to explain the clown shoes. And I walked out in a full clown regalia, but with no clown shoes, carrying the carpet bag and sat there and tapped my foot and impatiently until Harry finally said, Oh, all right. And gave me the. Uh, shoes back for the carpet bag and then harry opened the bag and eva came out and it was probably the loudest audience response ever heard in and then and then eva had the topper of all toppers merv after he was shocked 
died down. Said, well, how old are you, little girl? And Eva said something like four. And she said, how old are you? And just brought the house. <laughs> and Eva, do you, do you remember that first question? And then second question, was that a line that was off the cuff or was that something you knew to say? Improv. Turk, you told me to say it, right? You, we we, talk about this later? Right, if I was zipping the bag. You club. fed me that. <laughs> and I shoved your head in and then I said, pulled it back up. Like <laughs> yeah. Wait, if he says, how old are you? Or tell him and then ask, wait, and then say, how old are you? And you just <laughs> nailed it. And Harry, of course, hadn't heard any of that. So the crowd but was, then, though, you, yeah. I believe you started crying. When I started I, crying. Like a dog. We have a tape of it, and it just, it just, everything goes south because there's just like a, a crying child on stage, and, and <laughs> it's really bad. And then I believe at the end, uh, it goes on for so long that they apologize to the Frank Herbert, the author of Dune, for him not coming out. <laughs> we both Frank, Frank Herbert. Also, backstage afterward, we said Harry said, "Okay, let's all go over to the Brown Derby to celebrate," and Eva said, "I didn't get my money yet." <laughs> and I was going to get $100 and whatever it was. And Harry said, Oh, they're going to send a check. And you said, You always told me get the cash. Griffin's <laughs> <laughs> office. And you said, I want my money. And <laughs> to get somebody to go find some money and pay you in cash. So exhausting. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Eva, tell us about the name of your new, of your new game. Oh, uh, we just wrapped it, but I was doing an online game called Arcana that um, it was all playing on Instagram as a horror game for quarantine, and 2,000 people played it. We got a very cool wow. write-up in the LA Times about it uh, oh. a, a week ago. That's true. Yeah. So the left-handed league is, this is the closest we all get together usually, but I mean, Martin, Mike, Tina, I mean, it is... Yeah, I'm, I'm the one furthest from that business, but everybody's still doing what we've always done. It's a really quite amazing. Yep. And yeah. I guess I, I, I want to hear from Tina and Martin as well. Uh, here are uh, some more photos of the Left Handed League. I think these are from the same show. Um, yeah, it's Phoenix, Arizona, right? Yeah, Scottsdale, wasn't it? Yeah. It was Scottsdale. Yeah. Oh, it was Scottsdale. Okay, yeah. It felt like it was Arizona. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that the chicken? That's, your That's a chicken. <laughs> oh, there's Sandy. Oh, cool. So that was uh, the Halloween shows. I think some oh, of these yeah. were the Halloween shows were just. Uh, Mike Lacey at the Comedy Magic Club. Mike Lacey. Yeah. yeah. Magic Club. That's, Mike. Oh. Wait, no, who? Who's that? That's Eva. That's Eva. Yeah. 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 Oh, girl, you guys did the reunion show at, at Comedy Magic. Oh, that's right. That was not the, the Halloween okay. show, but. Um, I think that was after Katrina. It was a fundraiser. All right, good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And Mike Lacey, the world's nicest guy next to Jay Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> and a similar haircut. Maybe that's what maybe that's how it works. Maybe. Yeah. I in another life or something, but yeah. And I just saw, you know, the, the saddest thing about what's happening today is somebody sent me a picture of the comedy magic club all boarded up. Yeah, you I saw what it. What you have to do. Terrible. Just so but it's just protective, right? I mean, they haven't had any yeah. problems. Yeah. 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 It's just preemptive. Preemptive. And I hope they don't, but it's just, it's a shame. A lot of, a lot of places around here boarded up just for that reason. It's just. 
Yeah, and uh, I guess, uh, Martin, can you speak to a little bit about, uh, did everybody bring just their own acts to the left-handed league or was it this collaborative effort when, when you guys put on a show together? Well, uh, like in the, um, uh, the, the bubonic players, the, the stuff we did, uh, that was a collaborative effort. We all sort of uh, helped each other out. Uh, but the, I think the, um, the show we did in, uh, in Scarsdale was uh, we just did our own uh, uh, bits. Well, I don't know. Was there any exchanges between us? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. Mike, don't you know not to work with children and dogs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that puppy is adorable. The puppy came in when I was sitting. Go ahead. Carry on. Uh, and Mike, I heard that you and Jay, uh, actually it was Mike, uh, Tina, and Jay all did a bit together at the Magic Castle that uh, is based solely on Jay's skill and, and not at all on, on Mike and Tina's. That's um, right. That's to fool everybody at the castle. So I wonder if you want to speak to that a little bit. Yes. I put this actually in my book. Nobody can do this unless they're friends with Jay Johnson. <laughs> so, this idea uh, came from Harry uh, because he did something similar with Jay. But we changed it up a little bit. And the idea was uh, I was going to demonstrate my mind reading abilities. The audience had not yet seen Jay Johnson perform, so they didn't know who he was. So I said, bring out my blindfold. And Jay comes out and he says, uh, the blindfold's gone. They can't. I go, what are you talking about? Where's my blindfold? We can't find the blindfold. Tina had already done her mop act, so sitting in the wing was a bucket. I said, bring me that bucket. Give me that bucket. So Jay brought out the bucket. And I'll say, this will be my blindfold. Believe me, I can't see through steel. And I put the bucket on my head and I said, Tina's going to go out in the audience. And you bring out any object from your pocket. She'll hold it up and I'll be able to tell what it is. So Jay, as you saw in the photo, was holding the microphone in front of the bucket. Tina went out, would borrow an item. And I would make up a bunch of words like, tell me now quickly. What is the item? <laughs> Can you tell me? And I would just make up all this stuff. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it sounded, it sounded like the worst code act you've ever seen. <laughs> And Jay, of course, is standing there looking right at the object. <laughs> and with his ventriloquial voice. He sounded it, like he was in a bucket. Yeah. I don't know how, but you swore that he was there was Mike he, in the bucket. He would name he would name the object. Now nobody knew what I sounded like with a galvanized steel bucket on my head. So they thought, well, that's must be him. So we thought this would be hilarious. And everyone would go, oh, these people. So the first show is over, and all our buddies come backstage, and they go, wow, how long have you and Tina been working on a code act? And we're thinking, <laughs> what? They didn't get it. So now we had to decide, are we going to make this into a joke, or are we just going to do this? <laughs> so we kind of did it for real, and I remember one good friend of mine uh, called me the next day and said, I was driving home from the castle <laughs> on the freeway, and I went, that was Jay talking, and he then figured it out. So it was unbelievable. And we thought, well, what do you have to do to get these people to figure out what we're doing? So Jay would, uh, at the end, Tina would hold up. A, we had a bottle of beer planned out. She'd hold up a bottle of beer, and Jay would say, well, "This is very difficult, very difficult." And then he would say, "Gottle of gear," which for any ventriloquist, you know. Got the gear, and the audience would go, "That's fantastic!" And, you know, and then after it was over, I would go off, and Jay said, "You ought to come here tomorrow night. Mike's going to do the whole act while drinking a glass of water." Still didn't get it. 
So that was a lot of fun, mainly because all I had to do was stand there and say nothing for five minutes, do a lot of picturing. And oh, Tina had a gag with a telephone. Oh, I said, uh, I, I held up a phone and I said, can, can you describe this object, please, quickly? And he goes, oh, it's, it's not coming in very clearly. I said, AT&T, you're right. <laughs> Mike, that, Mike, that reminds me of your absolutely incredible, maybe the funniest single magazine story I ever read, the Southern California Unified Magicians piece in Weenie Magazine. Anybody that doesn't have Weenie show. Oh, convention report. Southern but, California. Yeah, unified, yeah, scum. Yeah, and, and everybody's given a scumbag, as you wrote, yeah. and at the end of the middle of the act, you, standing in the crowd, they hold up a, <laughs> they hold, you hold up a bag and say, "Am I? What am I? Are you? Am I holding a scumbag?" And the medalist says, "You are surrounded by scumbags." So, a forty-five record over each eye, and then a donut, and then you wrap your head in saran wrap. And you can see all and know all. That's Look what I just found in the basement. Oh. 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 Magazine sign from yeah. 1988. You know, we talked about putting on that convention with all the characters and all the acts. And uh, the, the review said it took place at the Aztec Hotel in Monrovia, California which still exists. It's the funkiest place you've ever seen. And we thought this would be great, but it was more fun to talk about than yeah. to actually do. Yeah, that wouldn't really work at all. Yeah, right. And when Weenie came out, I'm I mean, there, shave. There yeah. are, there's definitely been, I mean, there are blogs and different things that parody magic. So I think it's gotten a little bit more accepted. But back then, can you speak to how, how controversial it was and how, uh, how the magic community reacted to it? Uh, Peter Pitt said, you better have a lawyer. Because he, was, he was positive that we were going to say, Peter Pitt is gay, you know, like no one knew that. And so he was terrified. Wait, why? And, and he thought that uh, we were going to just piss off everybody in magic. Then it came out. And to make a long story short, uh, Bill Larson's secretary, Gene Cantor, called us and said, uh, we'd like to sell these at the desk in the lobby at the castle. Could we buy it wholesale? So we, they, you could buy Weenie right next to Genie at the Magic Castle. We had some controversial uh, characters oh, yes. in this. Uh, so um, one of the main one was uh, there's Hitler here somewhere, and I can't remember what. Um, I, oh, this is backwards. I can't see it. Do you see Hitler? He's right. Well, the whole border is all a little caricature. Yeah, but but there, here's Ronald Ronald, and right about why can I not hold it in the right place? Because it's backwards. Well, you can't really see it. Anymore. Okay. Anyways, all these funny characters. <laughs> but somehow Hitler was a controversial. Person. Well, the, and you know who complained? Irene Larson, and we got that. We said, Irene, you get to complain. Nobody else. <laughs> That's right. That's Irene. Always said. She's, someone was telling a, a joke, a, a Nazi joke, in the lobby of the Magic Castle. <clears throat> and he turned around, and there was Irene Larson. And she said, you know, a little respect would go a long way here. For your information, uh, one of my relatives died in a concentration camp in Germany during the war. And this guy just melted. He felt so bad. And then Irene said, well, he got drunk and fell out of a guard tower. But he did <laughs> 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 
Oh, I love that. She had a wicked sense of humor. I love I love hanging out with her at the castle. We were lucky uh, on getting the that uh, that color on that cover, the hot dog color for the cover, right? You, you know the story of the color on this cover? Yeah. We had this printed at the same place out in Riverside, A to Z printers that printed Genie Magazine. <laughs> and Harry took all the artwork out there. And the guy said, wow, this looks like uh, like another magazine. And Harry said, don't worry. Everybody's cool with it. Just print it. And the guy said, what color do you want on the cover? And Harry said, geez, I never thought of that. So he said, I'll tell you what, just mix up some brown, ugly, so it looks like it was made from old hot dogs. <laughs> Round up hot dog, brownish. So the guy mixed up this ugly brown color, printed the cover. Then a week later, it came time to print the new Genie magazine. And he thought, well, I don't want to clean the press. <laughs> so if you look at Genie magazine, uh, July 1982, I think a guy from Holland named Ted Beat is on the cover. And it's Weenie Brown on the cover of Genie Magazine. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, guys, I can't thank you enough um, for, for joining us for this Left Hand Elite reunion. As a fellow lefty, uh, if you ever need a new member, I'm absolutely here for you. Good. Okay. Now that we know Jay's not really left-handed, he's out and you're in, Harrison. All right. <laughs> I'll reprint the poster. Uh, Good. Uh, but uh, party, party, you guys. Um, Wait, can you take a screenshot of this? Because I was back up. somebody take a screenshot so we have it. Oh, absolutely! Uh, I'll, I'll send you uh, all, all of the stuff. Okay. Um, okay. Everybody, smile. One, two, three, smile. <laughs> Harrison had the best smile. <laughs> uh, but I, I wanted to thank you guys so much, um, uh, Mike and Tina. Thank you so much, uh, Martin. Thank you so much. Um, uh, Turk, thank you so much. Uh, Turk, we have one more quick thing with you because um, I know you went to Africa with Jay, so I want to briefly talk about that. Um, Thanks, Harrison. Great to see you, Jay. Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Bye, Martin. Eva. See you, Martin. Yeah, we'll see you guys. Bye. I love you all. And I will just put up this picture um, of because uh, I know Turk and uh, and Jay were in uh, Africa together uh, supporting your cause. You do a lot of great charity work, uh, Turk. So I want to make sure I plug that. So if you can tell us briefly about what, what you're well, doing so that we can uh, direct people to uh, helping the awesome cause that you're part of. Well, Jay, Jay and Cindy, when we were all in uh, Ireland um, with uh, leaving Harry's ashes there immediately after that, uh, Jay and Sandy joined Christy and I for a trip to Kenya. For us, I, I think it's about my 40th trip to Kenya. But uh, Jay, and, Jay had performed at our Nobility Project Gala in Austin, and um, we he got to go with us to uh, open some of the school's uh, construction that we'd funded at the gala. And he killed at the gala, of course, because it's a very attentive audience of 400, and they're drunk as hell. And uh, drunk and attentive is a good combination when you got Jay in the room. And... Um, but Jay killed in Kenya. It was so great. He had a big bag of tennis balls that he sliced open and was doing ventriloquism for huge crowds of kids at every school we went to and uh, left the balls for the kids. They, we just When he got to about 300 kids all around him and he couldn't move anymore, they were all dying laughing. He would like give them the balls and give them some eyes and things. There we go. And, um, and then he'd run away. And uh, I, I'm not sure if, we've, if he's generated a whole... Uh, a whole uh, team of new uh, ventriloquists over there. But I'd say, but from my first trips to Kenya, the very first school we built, 
there ended up being a lot of comedians at, at this school who saw me early. I would go over and I didn't really know how to talk to the kids and I would just juggle for them. And, uh, Later, they ended up being a lot of comedians and a lot of Charlie Chaplin fans as well. <laughs> we had a great trip. Jay, thank you so much. Turk, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And as I just put on the screen, if you want to support the Nobelity Project, it's N-O-B-E-L-I-T-Y project.org. So make sure you check that website out. Great. Thank you very much, everybody. Actually, Facebook's a good place to find us, too, because uh, we're updated there all the time. Eva, so great to see you. Jay. Good to see you, too. Hey, Turk. Jay. Oh, yeah, no, sir, go for it. Jay, you and I have had some great times, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we have. We have. We have. We have. Not, 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 not today. Not today. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not today. Not on the internet. Had some <laughs> yeah, separately. You know, but we have individually had some good times. Yeah, in other places. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just want to get that straight. Oh, thank you so much, Jerk. I really, really appreciate it. Bye. Uh, and by the way, one of the yeah, things that's been so fun is so as, I've, as I've met everybody, uh, almost everybody, and I think you should be proud of this, Jay, when I said, oh, do you have fun stories about Jay? They said, yes, but I don't know how many of them I can share publicly. <laughs> well, that means it's a good story. Yeah, exactly. a good story is in my opinion. <laughs> and Eva, um, it's, it's got to be awesome to have Jay as a godfather. Any uh, parting thoughts? I know you, you, you uh, your families are so close and uh, it's, yeah. it's really cool. No, just the best so godfather of all time. Uh, I'm so grateful to have had you in my life and to continue to have you in my life. I love you so much, Jay. You're amazing. Love you, darling. Aww. Always will. Love you too. There you are. Did you see that? You did yeah, my mom dug that up. Eva, thank oh, you so much again. I really, really appreciate it. It means so much. Mwah, stay safe and stay well. Bye, guys. Stay safe. And Jay, so uh, that's a lot of wow. a lot of special guests, but you are worth it. Uh, <laughs> uh, a little bit. You know, when when everybody was on the screen, I took a I took a screenshot, and from that moment on, the sound was always. And to know how how impressed I really am. Oh my God, this is great. Oh yeah, no, you watch it back. I promise everybody was fantastic. <laughs> I, I can't believe you pulled this together, Harrison. I really can't, uh, how sweet of you to do this. Cause no, it's, really. it's my pleasure, truly. And uh, as, as we wrap up every episode, um, there are always uh, young entertainers who are watching it. A lot of them are magicians. Some of them are in the allied arts. Um, what recommendations do you have suggestions for these young performers as they begin and pursue their career? Well, the best advice I ever got was from Ted Knight, who was an, a ventriloquist as well as an actor. And he said, get in front of as many audiences and in many places and many times as you can. The audience is what's going to teach you that. So never turn down a chance to perform and, and do it as many times as, as often as you can. And one, either you'll love it or you hate it. And every time you do it, you'll get better. That's my advice. Uh, that's awesome. Jay, thank you so, so much for doing this. Can't thank you enough. I love you so, so much. I will talk to you very soon. Please stay safe and stay well. Send my love to uh, Sandy and the kids as well. Um, I will. Mwah. Back in Italy. You're the best. No, you are, man. I love you. Mwah. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. You bet.
Jake Johnson, everybody. Ah, I love that man so, so much. Um, thank you guys so much for watching this episode of Who Books That? Next week, uh, our episode is our 20th episode. Um, so please tune in. That's going to be a very special episode. This show is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. or uh, 4 p.m. If you're on the West Coast, you can also download this episode and all the other previous episodes as a podcast at Who Books That? Dot com or you go to Apple Music, search for Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. It'll pop right up. This show is presented, as always, by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. A huge thanks to them. You can sign up with magician.org slash join the IBM slash join. Uh, thank you guys so, so much. Uh, please stay safe. Stay well. Uh, my name is Harrison Greenbaum. This has been an incredible uh, opportunity and an incredible time. So thank you so much for sharing this with me. Shout out to literally all the people who've been watching around the world. Hi, Terry. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Jeff. Dave, talking about the good advice from Jay. I agree. Steve, uh, Donald Chase with all of the applause. Uh, thank you guys so much. We have people watching as far as Australia, um, people as close as New York. Um, so thank you guys so much for watching. We can't do this without you. And we'll see you here next week, next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. I'm Harrison Greenbaum, and this has been Who Books That?